just to launch this conversation. This is our playground. They have spontaneous conversations. They don't plan this. I mean, there's actually something sort of spiritual about that. What's he do? He's a human being. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sexist feminist. We should be friends. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters around the world. Welcome to another edition of the Robin Kelly Show. I'm already laughing because our guest, who we're not going to introduce quite yet, was dancing to our opening number there, our little show open. See, so he, that made me chuckle. He's fitting in right away. It's like already <laughs> he's just part of the gang. I you know? know. We thought we were the only ones who liked it, but I guess that's a good sign. That's a good lit- litmus test. So thank you, mystery guest, yeah. for that. Um, so anyway, welcome everyone. I'm Callie Alpert. I'm here with my brother, Robbie Kay. How you doing tonight, Robbie? What's up, Callie? Well, shaking. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> we were just talking about the 70s a little, so maybe that's a little bit in our uh, That was such brain. a great show. What's happening? Just a little reference yeah, for everybody. Yes. What is happening? Um, good stuff. Things are good. Welcome to another episode of the show. Just want to tell everybody that we're working on some things for the show. And going along with our Real Interesting People series, we want people to know that th- this isn't the Real Interesting Men series. We have oh, some thank women. You for, thanks for pointing that yeah. out. Yeah, you know. I guess I should have along the way. Go women. So we're planning some female guests as well, <laughs> which is nice to mix it up, you know. Yeah. We're, we're going to have, you know, both genders represented. So that's good. And we got some really cool guests we're planning. And also we're working on doing live stream video as well. So some cool things we're working on. So thanks for listening tonight. Yeah, we're ramping up to the 21st century. We're really, we're, we're working on that. We're taking little steps. We appreciate that our audience is growing and that everybody's sharing the show with their friends and colleagues. I just came from an acupuncture appointment, which is, if I'm a little out, this is my disclaimer for the evening. If anything wackier than normal happens, you know, that's what I'm going to attribute it to. Mm-hmm. Um, but my acupuncturist, as I was leaving, said, make sure you leave me the link to the show. I'm going to share it with like his whole world because a lot of people are interested in that. So... We're going to have to start, you know, giving shout outs to all the uh, acupuncturists of New York City. <laughs> That's going to be our new contingent. So I look forward to that. I'll all thank right. them in advance. Um, so you are listening to talkradio.nyc. If you'd like to join the conversation, the number is 877-480-4120. Yes, I'm still looking at the cheat sheet on Sam's little screen over here. I acknowledge that. <laughs> um, so tonight we're talking about a nice light you know, global topic, which is money, and more specifically, our relationship from an emotional, spiritual standpoint. Um, And I guess technically we're calling the show Overcoming Poverty Consciousness. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a term that really I don't think I've heard before you brought it up to me um, a few days ago. Mm -hmm. I certainly understand what it means. I certainly have a lot of deep feelings and changing tides and relationships with money over the years, as I know everybody does. And yet I'd never heard that expression before. So I look forward to digging in a little more deeply to that, um, in a few minutes. Um, do you want to, do you, do you even remember the first time you formed a relationship with money? Well, there I was with my piggy bank exactly, and I was perhaps. counting the change and I was like, I thought I had more. <laughs> I think I have the beginning of poverty consciousness. You're already lacking. You're, you're suffering from lack. Well, actually, I was thinking about this topic today and I, I think what it really comes down to is really that money is energy. <clears throat> you know, it's something physical that we use or digital that we use online, but it's also energy. And so I was thinking about my relationship with money from a very young age And my family, you know, what was it like around the house? And my dad was from the Depression era. My mom was a baby boomer who had parents who came from the Depression era and whose families were immigrants. And they were so poor. My grandfather was so poor. And there were five kids in his family. Mm -hmm. And all the boys slept in the same bed together. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just really poor. So my grandfather, like a dollar meant so much to him, you know, and... uh, And then growing up, I just remember that um, money was a secret. It wasn't talked about a lot. I I didn't even know what middle class really meant. I knew we weren't rich, but we were a middle class family. And um, there wasn't a lot of money. You know, if I needed clothes, my dad wanted to make sure I really needed clothes and went through my drawers to make sure that, you know, if I had to buy something. 
And um, I was a big saver. You know, I, I worked uh, different things when I was younger, and I, I learned to save my money from my, my dad a lot and not spend my money a lot. And I was thinking about the difference between this, whether it's really nature or nurture, mm-hmm. because I came from that household where, you know, money, there wasn't a lot of it. And also in my family, money's been used as a weapon. And we have people in my family that haven't talked for decades over money. Yeah, it's so common, isn't it, how it's, that happens? It's, it's just really some, tragic. Yeah. And it it's happens lo- a lot. And, and not even a lot of money, you yeah. know? And so it's kind of sad. But I think, again, money is just sort of, it's an indicator it, it sort of talks about other things going on. You know, a lot of times people put feelings to money, negativity, because it's really emotional stuff in the family, but it just comes out in the money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You even hear that too, um, you know, when I think about people, the horrendous amount of um, divorce stories that I've heard, and often separate from the practicality and what needs to happen when you need to take care of, you know, spouses and children and all those things um, on paper, mm. I think a lot of people use that as the final like you said, weapon or tool or piece of leverage to um, kind of exert or express their emotions because otherwise they feel so powerless. But um, but getting back to the way that you grew up, it's very similar. It mirrors mine and probably because we're, I mean, I'm, I'm a little older than you are. Um, but, you know, I also come from a depression era, um, parents. My dad and I just talked about this the other day, actually. Um, and I've many times over the years thanked him because same thing. He grew up in, you know, middle class family, second generation immigrant, first to quote unquote do better than the, you know, than their parents, um, slept in the same bed with his brother who was 10 years older and always jokes that they barely knew each other because they were on such different schedules that they were able to accommodate sharing one bed mm-hmm. and, um, and grandparents and extra relatives living in the, you know, in the house and things were modest, but fine. And nobody ever lacked or knew that they did. And yet their priority was survival on some level, putting food on the table and making every making sure everybody was provided for. And so the duality between like my dad and me, my whole adult life, um, although I learned and my mother, too, but she's not as traditional as my dad is with these matters, um, is that uh, there was always that save 10%, you know, all these very clear mm. constructs to be, you know, just to help um, imbue my sister and I some practical tools. Mm. And yet when I got older and started trying to find my way, bliss was a word that I knew. Bliss wasn't a word that my dad ever used. He still doesn't. I mean, obviously he knows what it is. But, um, you know, there are many times where I had to thank him for giving me the benefit that the luxury of even learning what that word is and trying to get in touch with it that said i think that and i'm gonna have we're gonna have our guest do a little he can do a little um, therapy and analysis on us i think that that's where a lot of my own personal issues come from is that sort of dichotomy between those two things yeah. and not have you know because one's all about practical and one's about sort of a heart versus head or a cosmic spirit versus earthly or whatever words you want to use for it right um, but it can be it's a bit of a conundrum you know yeah, and it's kind of like mixing being a kid where you have those big dreams, but also being an adult where you know you have to pay the bills. And I think a lot of artists, you know, you hear the term struggling artist a lot. Right. But, you know, why do artists have to struggle? Why do, you know, maybe we can change the belief system for artists tonight where they can be thriving artists. You know, it's almost like they're preconditioned, like this is going to be tough, this is going to be hard. And maybe it's because their parents, who are much more practical and come from that generation, are like, look, you got to get a nine to five job and make sure you're paying the bills, which is definitely very important a little overrated on certain days no i'm just kidding <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding but i'm not but i don't know because i'm confused these days all right so i think with that because i don't want to squander more of our time and opportunity because we have a very special guest here with us tonight and his name is brad zalas he's an entrepreneur he um very I, I mean this is very impressive i'm completely synthesizing and streamlining your resume just so that we can get to talking um but you also built the first.com agency to go public as an ipo on nasdaq in the 1990s and uh, you are an authority on millennials and cross-generational leadership strategies. Welcome to the show, Brad. That's a mouthful, man. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. So nice to have you here. Welcome, dude. Do you have any idea what we're talking about? Can you feel us? Oh, absolutely. Where do we start? Where do we we start? How many of you go back in time to that very first time you were shamed about money or abundance or something like that? Yeah. Now, uh, you were talking, and I'm sitting on the edge of my chair like, oh, I have to keep my mouth shut. We got, we're going to go into the segment because we all got mixed messages. Yeah. Uh, you know, my father was a big fan. Now, um, let, me, let me go back. I'll explain a little time. The first time I was shamed about 
any kind of money or anything like this is I'm an artist and I'm sitting there drawing and I had this pad of construction paper and I'm drawing away and the family's there and I maybe I'm like three or four years old and every piece of art I'm doing is just genius you know when you're a kid it's like look at this it's a masterpiece <laughs> so my grandfather comes walking in and like you Rob uh, they were you know, my grandfather had, you know, four other siblings and they, they were dirt poor and they talked about it all the time. Mm. He had to take um, cardboard and glue it together for the soles of his shoes sometimes. Mm. You know, that those stories of wearing one shoe and one boot mm. um, to get to school. Poverty that I don't think a lot of people understand. Mm. So my grandfather, even as an adult, he owns a restaurant and a bar, and uh, he's working these crazy hours. He was up and out the door at 7 a.m. to go get the bar ready for lunch and wouldn't come home till 11 o'clock at night, 11.30, and in the middle of south-central Pennsylvania. And he walks in, and family's having a good time, and it's the middle of the afternoon, and he sees me drawing, and he goes, you know, uh, <laughs> you're only going to use one side of, uh, of each one of those paper pages. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, picture this. I'm like three, four years old, and I look at him <laughs> like he's nuts. <laughs> the, every, every one of these is a masterpiece. If I drew on another side, that means I can't hang it up because the other masterpiece that's is right. nobody can yeah, see it. Yeah, but that's, that's right. an imprint right there. Yes. That moment is an imprint, right? Yes, and it... it those are little things that uh, those of you who are listening, go in and make a list of those first ones where you felt shame about money. And this uh, gets hammered into your template that you have. Each and every one of us has a template, a money template mm-hmm. that starts with our family lineage. Now, my grandparents on my mom's side of the family, their last name is Bowers. So that last name means farmer in German. So the attitude and the ideology of a farmer is what? There's a season for everything. Mm. There's a time to plant and there's a time to rest, but it's always up at the crack of dawn. Hard work is the only way you're going to get ahead. Mm -hmm. And it's about pennies and dollars Mm -hmm. and hoping the crop comes through and the hard work will pay off. So that's in my template. And to this day, and I want everybody to know this, Getting over your poverty consciousness is a lifetime Um, of work. You will always have something coming up over and over and over again. As soon as you think you conquer it, something new will come up. So this is just the beginning of a cycle, a wonderful cycle. I hope that uh, everybody can get into. Have a little fun with it. Don't be mad at your family for the template that they put in (laughs) and they did. And also some of these things I call post-it notes that get stapled to our head. Uh, You can remove those, okay? And this is the one I can remove, which is my grandfather shaming me about drawing on one side of the construction paper only. And then years later, my mom gets married and my stepfather raises me. That's where I get my last name, the Hungarian last name. And he was so cheap. I, at 16, started a business because it was easier to start a business at 16 than to ask him for a $20 bill. (laughs) I think we have to go to break. That was the story that made Rob go, hey, we got to get Brad on the show. (laughs) There are lots of stories that we're going to hear tonight. So if you want to call in, the number is 877-480-4120. We're going to take a little break and we will be right back. Needs more cowbell. Someone's rewriting our music. Wow. (laughs) I think Christopher Walken is going to make a special appearance tonight. I just have that feeling. Use the space, Gene. Explore the space. (laughs) Christopher, do you have any stories about overcoming poverty consciousness in your own life? Wow. (laughs) Whatever. This is crazy. Robin Callie. I like Frankenstein. (laughs) (laughs) yeah there we go so welcome back to the robin Kelly show um you're listening to talkradio.myc we got sam on the board tonight callie's in the studio we got brad zelos here sometimes am callie's always here in spirit or in person whichever she chooses that day but usually she's today tonight she's in person so we're talking about overcoming poverty consciousness and i think y'all be really good for us to just address what poverty consciousness is. Brad, to you, what is that? Well, first, let's address what consciousness is. Uh, Consciousness is a particular type of awareness that's independent of our mind. So right now, I may be thinking, but that isn't the reality of my awareness. 
I can be sitting here in the studio and I, I can see Callie and Sam and Rob, but I'm also aware slightly of the cars out on the street. Uh, if, especially if you're intuitive or empathic in any way, shape, or form, you can feel certain things around you, like the people in the building, things like that. Too much and, on certain days. Right, right. So what is poverty consciousness? Poverty consciousness is a lot of times programming our influences that we're completely unaware of that limit our prosperity consciousness. And it, it interferes with this. And let me explain. <clears throat> Uh, when I first started to the, doing this work, uh, probably 20, 30 years ago, I started to l- look at myself and then look at people around me, and I was really astounded at something. My wife is a nurse, and she will notice that some people will be incredibly wealthy, and they have a family member that's dying, and they are counting up to the penny what to spend and trying to project when this person's going to die. And that's a poverty consciousness. Even though they have millions, mm-hmm. they're sitting there going, oh, we can't spend any more. Uh, and they, they calculate it, and they can only have one nurse taking care of this one person so they can protect their assets. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. I don't want to judge it. There are a lot of people who have their Series 6 and Series 7 licenses and, and make a very good living uh, planning and doing money, and they understand these things. I'm talking about our seed cell, our seed of where our energy is coming from. And uh, juxtaposed against that story with, you know, somebody counting every penny, uh, there was a friend of mine many, many years ago. I lost touch with him, but um, Joe was an artist, and he had been in the Navy, and I guess he had gotten injured during Vietnam, and uh, he was on a pension. Mm. And he would paint and draw. That's all he did. And his pension paid him. But he would have wealthy benefactors who would fly him all over the world and he'd live in Italy for like a year and just paint and draw and they'd buy all his paintings. And he and he lived in this little apartment in, in Brooklyn and I realized he was living in an abundance mm-hmm. consciousness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though he didn't have that much money, he was constantly getting his art out there and getting mm-hmm. it paid for and, and these wonderful vacations and wonderful places that he would go. And I started to go, wait a minute, this is a huge contradiction on what I've been taught in life. And I want people to kind of go back and look at your, this is about becoming aware of the cycles in your life where the programming began. Mm -hmm. As we started before we went to break, we were talking about looking at some of those things that have been influenced in your template. Uh, When you were first shamed, make a list of those things that you were first shamed on. And since our our world, uh, our our reality is based on gestalt, you can reimagine those moments where you weren't shamed, but you were blessed. You were uh, given this chance to be more abundant and say thank you to the person that shamed you and move on from that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you can remove those staples. Change the and wiring you, and exactly. change the Yes. Instead of telling yourself, oh, I suck with money. I'm so horrible <laughs> uh-huh. with money. Yeah. Start so saying, many people say that. What do you say? Yeah. What are your buzzwords? Or, or like there's not enough. Like I'm thinking uh-huh. about with this whole topic, it's really a sense of lack. There's just not enough. Mm-hmm. I'm so broke. Yeah, those it, kinds yeah. of and just everything, instead of looking at Mantras. the world as this really abundant, opportunistic possibilities everywhere place, you know, yes. and, and I'm not talking about pie in the sky thinking that's unrealistic where you don't have a business plan and you don't take actions, but it's like, what if we just change from there's not going to be enough and I'm not going to get enough to I have enough and I'm going to get more and there's going to be lots. Right. But where is that point? So this is, the, I guess, our next question to you, which takes us. <clears throat> Brad, into the, um, the sort of the manifestation matrix and how you kind of um, how you determine what that is for yourself because yes. that's and I can I mean this is I'm going through this even now I mean this is a very you know, I think this is a topic that we all resonate right. with in different times in our life. Um, Let's be honest, we both that? are, Callie. We were talking today, like <laughs> this show is so timely is. for really the both of us. And, and I, I just got to say to everybody, this show is a template of us trying to practice what we believe. It is these new beliefs. Getting into a flow to do something right. against uh, what people. Are, oh, when are you going to make money at it? I've right. had a few people ask me that. When? When's that podcast? You know. So, but I want to go back to what you just said because I think that's a really interesting that that sweet spot between you might know intellectually. Okay, I learned that money was dirty when I was five. Don't touch that. Don't put that nickel in your mouth or whatever it might be that's right, stealing right. that from a Susie Orman sort of right. uh, mentality um, and then you um, but then you decide that you want to go into a more positive thinking think you know start thinking in terms of yeah. abundance from lack but to change that and to switch that if you've been so programmed or if your experience has only supported and fortified that reality how do you switch 
into the manifesting space? First is the key of becoming aware of where you place limitations in your thought and your speech. And I'll give you a good example. A friend of mine, uh, he's a comedian and he's on the verge of becoming famous. And years ago, I went to get into his car and there's CDs and garbage all over the car. And I'm, I'm not pristine with my car, but it was clear this guy was eating and just putting the McDonald's wrappers <laughs> on the floor. And there were CDs all over the place. I just looked at him and he wasn't was he living. Disgu- Maybe he was living in the car. No, you're, no. you're like, is this an Airbnb? <laughs> Wait like, a minute. There's yeah. something going on here besides yeah. driving. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, do you? I, yeah. It's sort of like, are you, do you drive or do Look, you, what are I'm, you doing here? I'm not a rocket scientist and I've challenges with money but i think you need to spend a little more in cleaning this car so i'm sitting there and i'm looking at all these cds and they're clearly they have no labels on them except markers you know magic marker and i go what are these he goes oh dude i got the whole tony robbins suite of you know uh, product and i just looked at him and said are you kidding he goes what i said you're you want to be a famous comedian right and he goes yeah you don't want people to steal your, you know, your your best material, do you? No, not at all. You want people to buy your latest DVD. Yes. So honor that in others, I said to yeah. him. Yeah. I said, don't ever, ever get a bootleg copy of Tony Robbins or a CD of this or do. Take the money mm. and go buy it. Mm. You're disrespecting not only the artist who's created this wonderful artwork, yeah. uh, you're disrespecting it inside yourself. Right. Yeah. And he caught that at the moment. He said, well, what is that? I said, you have a poverty consciousness. And I said, and the only reason I can see it is I have it in myself mm-hmm. and I've been working on it. Mm-hmm. I said, we can't see things in others unless we have it resonating in ourselves, either the, the positive side of it or the negative side of it. Mm-hmm. So I sat there and said, from this day forth, I want you to stop stealing music because that's what you're doing you're stealing music you're stealing you know tony robbins stuff you're stealing all this stuff and start dedicating yourself to i don't have the money today but i will to buy this i said you can find this at a thrift shop you can find these things at other sales but pay something for it because some people are listening they're going well that's capitalism you know and i hate capitalism get over that this is the law of reciprocity mm. you must give something to get yeah mm. and if somebody Spend has put this kind of time and effort into giving you something amazing put the money there you know even the shaman up in the highest temples in the himalayas you bring them a piece of fruit or a flower to get the initiation you have to put the effort into it yeah so that's the beginning of this start looking at i would get a piece of paper and this is a daily practice uh, write a vertical line down the center and on the left put all the the moments where you were shamed about money and then on the right hand side spin it into the positive what would be the more abundant way of saying that instead of you know my grandfather shaming me for writing on each one side of the tablet yeah. I just go there and I go I create genius every time I paint and draw mm-hmm. and it's okay I can use as much of the canvas and the work that I want to in order to create something beautiful. I can yeah. have two pieces of paper instead of yeah. one. Yeah. And, I, and I can I can create art that you can walk around it and see both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's Hang good. It. Yeah, so, that's yeah. true. Just suspend so you, it. You see how we upgrade? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk, talk about creative with creativity. Right. I right. like that. Yeah. And then it's sort of like, okay, so now you start with, you see where you've been shamed and your family template. What were the limiting beliefs? Start listening to your own speech. And if you have a spouse involved in this, it's even better. My wife and I are constantly like, kind of like, okay, watch me when I say something here and it sounds like a limiting belief. Mm. I can afford this if I chose to. I can start a multi-million dollar business if I chose to. Mm. Uh, So start listening to your language and the speech patterns that you put out there. And as soon as you catch yourself saying something limiting, say, ah, I take that back from the universe and let's restate it in a more positive way where, yes, I could afford this. Do you think you have to believe what you're saying or can you do the acting as if, if you, again, if, you're, if, if this stuff is deep, deeply embedded, deeply yeah. imprinted, and you're trying to watch your language and put out the right messages so that you know, you're heard by the mm-hmm. higher powers in a certain way, right. do you have to believe your own hype? Initially, Yeah, you should. I think you should. You don't have to right in the beginning. And it feels awkward. It's like, I'm a millionaire. And you sit there and you go, (laughs) (laughs) oh, yeah, nice. Good try, Brad. And then I'm a millionaire. I keep saying it until it becomes a reality. 
uh, and it has. It's become a reality for me many times. And this is ongoing. You know, I've, I've made money. I've lost money. So it's always about the next level. So you, you, th- like I said, this is a lifetime work you're yeah. going to have to go through because it is so ingrained in us. Uh, and then the other side of this is uh, the as-if principle is very powerful, but you have to make sure it's coming from the right um perspective it was like a a friend of mine came up to me years ago and she goes you know you're wrong about this stuff the poverty consciousness and all this blah 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 she goes i acted like i was wealthy and i'm broke now and i said (laughs) okay what did you do she goes i spent my money and i did this and i went to the opera and i did what every rich person does i said Heather, you did something there that you may not realize. Wealthy people don't spend their money until they have it or they have cash flow. Then they spend it. We're at the bottom of the pyramid kind of looking up, analyzing it from our perspective, which is they're having fun and they're just spending money. Well, they've created vehicles first that create cash flow that can generate this kind of money so that they can later go around and start spending it. And we're looking at it going, Oh, I can't believe they bought another Mercedes Benz. Well, good for them. God bless them. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd love for more people to have abundance in their life. We've been given a lie in the media in this country. Yes, 1% of the corporate guys and 1% of those at the very top yeah. are nasty. But, you know, I remember walking into the the dojo to pick up my nephew one day and all these parents are complaining they need to go after the rich people. I said, really? That means you're going to go after the guy down here who owns the five pizzerias that sponsors your kid's baseball team. Right. That means you're going to go after the guy uh, or the gal who has several salons that pays, uh, you know, higher property taxes than you do. Uh, That that just creates your community. Yeah, it creates your community. So you're 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 playing a word game there that's naive. If you can catch yourself, if you feel jealous of somebody who has money, you see somebody with a Mercedes-Benz and that upsets you, or somebody who's living the good life, uh, you need to stop and grab a hold of yourself because that is not only against spiritual law, uh, that is... You're talking about the part about being jealous or comparing yeah, yourself to other yeah, people rather than to, focusing on your own ride. Right. Yeah. And here's the other thing. All you're doing is looking at what they have and you're not really saying to yourself, you know, the reason they're pressing my buttons is they have something I want. That's the truth. And on that note, that's a good tease for when we come back to break. Um, come back from break. I'd like to hear more about how we separate ourselves from the envy and from the things we don't have so that we can acquire it for ourselves. You're listening to talkradio.nyc and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Robin Callie Show here on talkradio.nyc. We are talking about overcoming poverty consciousness. And Brad, when before we went to break, you were talking about the just the de, kind of the destructive nature of jealousy and yes. comparing ourselves to people, which you know it's that grass is always greener thing, um, right. which we know is really futile. I, I'm more interested in hearing. Um, how other how people that feel like they're, that are still coming from a place of lack can get into a space where they assume abundance the way people that have abundance already did, right? Because mm-hmm. isn't that what got them there? <coughs> We're talking about yes. the 1%. Those are the people that could always imagine themselves being the visionaries and being the CEOs and being the bosses and having the mercy or whatever right. it is that you aspire to, right? Sometimes, uh, I hate to say it, it's a self-esteem issue. Mm-hmm. It's a spiritual self-esteem issue because we've been placed on earth to not only be the creators but the createes. Uh, and this is our playground. So when you feel yourself getting jealous or envious, you know what that is? That's your barometer for your poverty consciousness. It's actually a good thing. Yeah, no, that's mm. a great secret. That's important. And, and I see a lot of men who are jealous but don't know they're jealous. They're just, oh, I don't like that Brad Zollis guy. <laughs> He's a jerk. And it's like, okay, why don't you, why don't you go a little deeper and say, right. well, Why? Mm-hmm. Because you, because we know you're not a jerk. Yeah, there's like eight percent of every audience I speak in front of. <laughs> no, that's not true. Mm-hmm. And then I show one slide and it proves it. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, okay. Um, but what happens is, uh, and we all have this. You see something you want to achieve, and somebody achieves it before you. And this goes back to lack and limitation. Grab that for a moment and say, okay, what am I seeing in this other person that I truly want to achieve as well? 
and don't think you can't do it. Just do it better. Do it different. Do it greater than what they're doing. Do it your way. Uh, it's like I just did a TED Talk uh, up in Terrytown, and I'm standing there, and um, I've been speaking professionally long enough to know I do what I do, and the other three or four professional speakers, mm-hmm. they do what they do. So I, I don't feel anything. I'm in awe of the powerful stories each one of them told. Chris Desi was up there, Daniel Newman. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm in awe. And, um, There's space Rena, for everybody. Yeah. Uh, Rena DeLevy, she gets up and, uh, and she talks about compassionate management. And Chris starts talking about you know, his father getting ALS and having to finally uh, come to terms with telling his father how much he loves him by doing this feat of strength. And then Daniel Newman talking about, the, you know, we're in an age of emoji and, uh, you know, we're, we're texting and, and taking pictures of our children. Meanwhile, our family's standing right there. We're not talking to them. Rob and I are texting right now. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Were you saying something? <laughs> focus, people. Wait. Focus. Yeah. Oh, Brad's on the show. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Wow. Give yeah, me a no, second. I do. No, it has been. It's become no, a right. distracted And we talk about this society. all the time. Callie right. and I talk about this all the time, how people are just attached to their phones yes. all the time. And this interferes really with mm-hmm. our manifestation process. Mm-hmm. And uh, television bombards us on, uh, on the alpha brainwave scale. So uh, I actually stopped watching a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, it's changed my manifestation powers. Oh, wow. And I've always been able to manifest, but now it's become more powerful because I shut the TV off. Yeah. Uh, because because it's alpha- more space in your brain? Sorry to interrupt you. No, no. Or just well, from a real it's from energy. A scientific... Uh-huh. Albert Einstein actually said this. He said, our brains do nothing more than receive or transmit. Mm-hmm. That's all they do. It's not us. Mm-hmm. Soul is in there telling your hand to move mm-hmm. it, or actually telling the brain to tell the hand to move. And so what you have to start to realize is alpha waves uh, is a state that you have just before you go to sleep. That's why it's important when you want to manifest something, you put your attention on actually being in your manifestation as you're drifting off to sleep with joy and excitement. You should get chills from your toes all the way up into your head and as you're drifting off to sleep, don't watch it like a movie, like you're watching Bruce Willis on the screen. Actually sit there. The only way you can see your own face is if you look in the mirror in that dream area. Is is this something that you did when you started K2 and you had that first big success? Because I think yes. our audience would want to hear, like, yeah. how did this guy get so successful in having this you know, first IPO and, and becoming such a success? Like, yeah. what, what yeah. happened leading up to that? And were you aware of manifestation or were you just in your flow doing your thing or were you consciously it, manifesting things? it's a lot it's six of one half a dozen of the other I'll go, I'll go back a little bit in time and explain how it happened you know I'm from a small town Lebanon Pennsylvania and I loved growing up there and um, I was an artist and a drummer and I was all these things but um, you know I got kind of labeled maybe the weird kid you know because <laughs> I was always dreaming I was going to do stuff and my friends were like yeah right Zalas I'm going to live in New York City I'm going to be <laughs> famous yeah. you're a jerk shut up you know just play football you know and uh you know i go back we have a good laugh about it to to this day but um here i am uh i moved to new york city and i always had a big mouth a little bit as a kid uh what's the professional term for that i believe it's smart ass (laughs) (laughs) so um i apologize you know resume actually i I was just gonna say you read my mind i have that on my resume (laughs) i I apologize to any of my teachers uh the nuns and priests that raised me and anybody in my hometown yes but i was i was a smarty pants and uh so i come to new york and I started really getting into my spiritual journey, as they would call it, the warrior's journey, whatever you want to call it. And I started reading and I started looking at different books and opening up um, in my heart center and things like this. And about nine or 10 years into my career, I sit down uh, with a buddy of mine that I went to college with, uh, Doug Cleek. And he goes, hey, man, I want to start a business with you. And I go, "Okay." And I was very frustrated uh, because I had just gotten out of a bad business situation, a partnership. So I was frustrated, and I said to him, well, give me, give me five good reasons, and maybe I'll consider it. And he gave me some pretty good reasons that I said, okay, let's start a business together. He admired the work I did, basically, is what it was. 
So we started this little design firm in the middle of Manhattan that was in a room that was about the size of this studio, 9 by 12. Cozy. Uh, yeah, cozy <laughs> with a desk and two Mac 2CI computers with 13-inch VGA screens. And it was such an old uh, place. It was down at 11th and Broadway at the St. Dennis Hotel, which is literally where Abraham Lincoln slept before he went to give the Gettysburg Address. He mm. took the train out of New York. Interesting. Yeah. And Interesting. Uh, so they have these t- tiny rooms. It's Victorian era building and uh, we have one outlet on the opposite side of the desk so we had to build this office and make it look beautiful and uh, for about a year we struggled and we didn't think this plan through which was probably a good thing Uh, but we were competing against 4,000 other design firms in New York City. Now thank goodness we had (laughs) 10 years of experience already in our chosen field because we wouldn't have been able to make it. Uh, but we got those first clients like American Express and Departures Magazine and uh, Bunko Pubblar at that time. So we, we had money coming in, but nothing to give us two great salaries. So two events happened that changed everything. The first event is Doug comes running into the office one morning. He goes, we have to become an Internet company, man. And, uh, you know, I'm really savvy. So I looked at him and said, what the hell's the Internet? (laughs) (laughs) And This is true. I mean, I'm not making this up. You're laughing. But I actually said that. What the (laughs) hell is the Internet? In 1994, (laughs) a lot of people didn't know what the Internet was. Definitely not what it is today. Mm -hmm. So back then it was an email or it was a uh, a static page with a gray background or a gray background you know, that was your choices so we decided to become an internet company and i was like all right we'll see if this things work out if we make one million dollars you know i'll see what happens um and then the second thing happened is i was struggling so much to pay the bills at that time I had in my head a very solid definition of what a millionaire looked like. Mm. It was the guy with the top hat or whatever. You know, I'm making this up. <laughs> I'm making this up. <laughs> you know, the Monopoly guy. <laughs> <laughs> you, had, you had cigars. Like chorus girls following <laughs> yeah. him around on the street. <laughs> that guy's a winner. Oh, You know, and it's like, you know. Just Get open up your Stick eyes. with yeah. me, sweetheart. Yeah, you're going to go places with me. <laughs> and so I had a really bad um uh, how can I say it? A rigid, uh-huh. a specific, uh, a specific, version. A specific, a specific monopoly money yeah. guy. I yeah. love that. And now, I, now I realize that Brad, that Brad was an idiot. <laughs> okay, so it's like, so I realize, okay, I got, I let go. I just said, you know what? I don't understand any of this. I let go. So one morning, I'm standing on. Or it was early in the morning. It was one o'clock in the morning. I'm standing on Staten Island. Uh, I I was married at the time, uh, helping to raise two stepkids, and I'm I'm broke. I'm, I'm barely getting any money out of this company, and I'm standing on the front lawn. The moon's out, crisp fall air. I look up at the sky, and I said, I give up. And my favorite thing was always to talk to the stars. That's God to me, you know, mm-hmm. the universe. I said, I give up. I don't know anything. Uh, why am I going through this? You know, it's just hell, and tears are streaming down my cheeks. And as I'm standing there, this big white garbage truck drives right <laughs> past me. Now, we're on Staten Island. The dump is there. So you see garbage trucks all the time. And anybody who knows anything about New York City, usually garbage trucks are loud and dirty and everything. This was pristine white. <laughs> and it was going in the opposite direction of the dump. So it caught my attention. And it's 1 o'clock in the morning. And it's driving past my house. And in a giant black spray paint on the side was a Z on the side of this uh, garbage truck. And I'm like, what? If you know anything about symbolism and how you're communicated with through spirit and stuff like that, uh, there's alpha and omega, uh, and Z is the end. The garbage was being taken out of my life. So I realized in that moment, I burst out laughing because (laughs) I started to realize my life had been built on a foundation of sand before that. I was trying to prove my father that I wasn't going to be a starving artist, a loser, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, so your, so your intention was... So all my in intention, all my energy was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove my old man wrong. Yeah. And I realized, oh, and I let it go. And I burst out laughing in that moment, and I realized here was the sign from the universe. Please send me a sign. Here it was, giant 14-foot spray-painted <laughs> black Z. And the garbage in my consciousness was being carted away. My old belief system was being carted away and taken away. Now, it didn't happen overnight. Yeah. 
but uh, I, I actually talk about this story in uh, a book that's based on Napoleon Hill principles called Journey to Success, Volume 1. And I talk about this because from that moment on, I let go of any belief system I had and said, you know, I don't know what a millionaire looks like or a billionaire looks like, but I'm going to let go and let it come into my life. Do you think that was a, uh, and again, to streamline, because this is a big story and we're trying right. to get to the nuts and bolts that we can offer to our listeners to sort of compare their, you know, their stories to the one that you're sharing. Right. Do you think, and quickly, and then when we come back from break, we'll continue. Do you think, though, that that was one of the, the, the most pivotal moments or d- almost decisions you could make was to just surrender and let go? Oh, yeah. Does that separate you from all the other guys that were trying to start these agencies back then, for example? Yes. You well, know? we had the skill set. We were already uh, designing for corporate America. So we already knew it. But what that really did was that was the shift in energy to let go and allow things to come in and flow. And did you find that things started to flow very quickly? after Yes. That? Yes. Because from that moment on, uh, by the following year, we went public on NASDAQ. <laughs> so it, nice. within six months, that's, yeah, we you're like, that's pretty quick. <laughs> you're like, I wish more garbage trucks would have gone by. But, you know, it was like, we went from becoming an internet company to in 18 months later, having 60 employees, offices worldwide in an IPO. And, and we didn't have any money to start this thing. That is we great. bootstrapped the whole thing. That is great. So again, it comes down to our belief system. It, yeah. it kind of controls everything about what we manifest. Mm-hmm. Really good story. So we're going to go to break. If you want to call in the numbers eight, 877-480-4120. When we come back, we're going to talk about some real ways, some tools that people can use in their life to overcome poverty consciousness. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Robin Kelly Show. We are hanging out tonight with Brad Zillas. We're talking about overcoming poverty consciousness. And, and we're, we're getting impressions during the commercial breaks, too, which is really That's fun. right. This is, very, Robin Leach action. <laughs> this is an entertaining show for us. It's an entertaining <laughs> show for everybody else. Sam's on the board laughing. We're all having a good time. So I want to circle back, though, to something we were talking about. I and mean, we were talking sure. about our belief system, the whole show, which is really important. And in the beginning, I was talking about nature versus nurture. And I was thinking about the fact that in the household that I grew up in, I had an older brother. And in a way, we, we had the same experiences with our parents and money and what was going on. But in another way, we're very different people. And I remember from a young age, the fact that he was just able to spend money easier and ask my parents for things or, or just enjoy the, the action of spending money more. And I was always a little more careful. So I think it's the, it's the idea that we all have our own individual journey as much as we do have these templates. Every person has their own work to do to where they change that poverty consciousness into abundance consciousness. Yeah. Well, let's take a moment. Sit back. Close your eyes. And I want you to rob... I want you to feel where you get that fear. How much is this going to cost, by the way? It's no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is a show about money. That is very expensive. Rob, this is going to cost you right. nothing. I want you to sit. Yeah. I want you to tell me where the fear, where that fear manifests in your body. Where do you tighten up when you think, I'm going to spend $25 for what? Yeah, it's in my gut. Okay. It's usually right. in my gut. All right. Let's, yeah. Let's take all the possibilities of abundance. I want you to just feel that. Just feel it. But I want you to anchor yourself in your chair. Put your feet flat on the floor. Yeah. Separated. Uh-huh. And I want you to picture in your mind's eye energy coming from all the way up in the top of the universe. God energy, whatever you want to call that. Golden light. I want you to swirl it down around the top of your head, into the top of your head, into your heart and into your pelvis area. I want you to just circulate it there. I want it to sit in that area and I want you to feel grounded. At the same time, I want you to feel this light travel all the way down to the core of the universe, out through the bottom of your pelvis, all the way down to the core of the earth. And I want you to release all the gunk the negativity, see it as black licorice or balls, whatever you want to call it. Let that release into the planet. And the planet Earth has this power to dissipate and transform that energy into positive energy. And I want you to swivel a little bit. Feel your hips. You should be planted in your chair. Feel your hips Mm -hmm. right in there. And the energy should feel in there. Mm 
Yeah. This and is getting very sexual, guys. I just need to say that. Your Kundalini is awake. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you. Yeah, really? Okay. There you go. Now, I went, just feel that for a moment. Yeah. Feel yeah. that. And, and well, picture gold in there. Gold bars are stored in there. You have abundance in there. And anytime you feel this ickiness that you are not abundant, that you don't have the power to do something, try this exercise of release. Yeah, let it go. And what happens if you can't get to the feel? If you have, I'm not going to say can't. If it's challenging to get to the feeling. Okay. Uh, here's another technique that works. It's gestalt. And this is for everybody, obviously. Yeah, everybody it's not just for this. the benefit of us in the studio right now. Sit down and in a chair, have another chair opposite you, and take that pain and give it a, a name and a character and make it sit across from you and talk to it. Why are you t- giving me a hard time about spending a little extra money on this purse or this car or whatever? Why are you giving me a hard time? And let it answer. You know, do it with your mm-hmm. eyes closed. Do it with your eyes open, whatever. And then when you get the answer back, you know, keep having a dialogue. At some point, switch chairs and now go sit and be that, that you know, governor that's standing over you going, you need to be careful with your money. You need to stop spending like a drunken sailor. Yeah. You need to, you know, who do you think you are <laughs> yeah. trying to manifest what you want? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, who do you think I, I'm not? You know, I'm capable of doing this. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Re- so it's really that you feel like we're not, if we're, if we're having a hard time getting into the feeling and the vibration or yeah. the feeling of that thing that we're wanting, yes. that it's because there's something that's, Here's not a, giving us like we're not giving ourselves permission. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say stop wanting it and just put it in you. Mm-hmm. It should be there. When we yearn out for something outside of us, it is kind of hard to get to it. It's like we feel like we have to reach for it and it's so far away. It's not. Put it in you. You live it. Close your eyes and imagine yourself living inside your dream. Mm-hmm. Feel it. Feel that that chair, the desk. Look at the people you're interacting with in your third eye. You'll manifest it. Yeah, it'll come to you. Yeah. So we have. Um, we actually have a caller. Tim, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Tim. How are you doing? Thanks for joining us tonight. Hi, Tim. What's up, Tim? Hello. Welcome to the show. Do you have a question for Brad or a comment you'd like to share? Well, I just like to say that Brad is my big white dump truck in my life. <laughs> Tim, how you doing? I know who Tim is. Yeah, Tim Harshman. I'm been... doing good, Brad. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I just wanted to let everyone know, uh, Brad's been helping me a lot. I've uh, changed my um, direction in life at 53. And Brad's been helping me a lot with my proper mindset and um, helping me visualize visualize where I'm going and what I'm currently doing. So. Brad's right on target with what he says. Oh, thank you, man. Well, it's nice to have a testimonial. We are not the least bit surprised to hear that. Uh, thank you, Tim. Tim is crushing it, by the way, uh, in in his chosen profession and getting back uh, on the horse of something he did when he was younger that he loves, uh, which is pro wrestling. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you, so do you, Tim, if you could, um, because we really like to devote the um, the end of our show to actionable steps that can help our listeners that might not be in the same place or want to be in the same place as you or Brad or, you know, um, uh, anybody that, you know, that that's sort of representing where they want to go. Do you have a certain step or something that you would share that you'd suggest people start doing? I've, I've really, my attitude had changed to gratitude every day. I'm not where I want to be, but I learned to be happy where I'm at and grateful for everything I have. And since I started taking an inventory, like every day I write down two things that I'm really grateful to have. Mm-hmm. And it's helped me keep my mindset proper. So when I go out, whatever happens, I know everything's going to be good. And the things I don't win at, I learn from. And I just keep going and going. Wow. The, yeah, no, grats. So valuable. Thank you so much for sharing that with yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for calling, it. Tim. That's that's really good thing that I think we want to talk about yeah. as well, which is the power of gratitude. And Thank you. I can't attract more of what I want until I'm grateful for yeah. what I already have. And exactly. there's 
there's such a, a, a magnet to that in life, you know. And I think also this also pertains to love and money. It's sort of like, you know, you find people have challenges with both a lot because of their belief system and then changing it to where they yeah. can use these tools or use some affirmations. Or, or you tell yourself, uh, you know, Tim, you can add to this, but, uh, you know, sometimes we tell ourselves it's over. I'm too old or I, I you know, I, I have injuries or I, I limiting beliefs of saying hasn't you're not before. that. Yeah. And you're not that talented. Who do you think you are? You know, all these dialogues. You know, I growing up in a small town, trust me, people ask me many times, who the hell do you think you are? Mm. I'm Brad Zalas. That's who I am. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I know that's a smart ass answer because that's what I do. But uh, but you knew it, I had to. Level. There were two things on soul level. Uh, intuitively, I knew I had to put a hand up to s- physically stop that barrier of negativity. Boom. I'm going to stop it dead at its tracks, and I'm just going to tell, reframe the dialogue and say, you don't like what I'm doing, but I think I'm awesome. So what, what are you going to do about it? And then the other side of that is our negative self-talk, we have to really change that because we are powerful. I think everybody here on Earth has a power and ability that, that we, we have to not be afraid to unleash. Yeah. Uh, and we, we've never been in a greater time where we have the tools to be able to do a show uh, from anywhere in the world. We can do a, you know, a blab or a periscope from our phone while we walk down the street. Our message can get out there. We're living in an age where you can do this, and it's very powerful. And, and you know, our leaders know this. They're freaking out because yeah. we are the ones who hold They're the power. Control. Yeah. So with our remaining minutes, can you, if you were to... Advise all of us on like three steps we could take tomorrow to start uh, ourselves on the path to whatever sort of abundance and financial freedom and liberation we're, we aspire to. What would they be? Open your heart. And as Tim said, the gratitude is one of the most powerful tools you can use. Mm-hmm. And this gratitude has to be a feeling that's so off the charts it gives you chills. You can't just sit there. And, and I've tested this. I, I've done this with myself. I'm not giving advice that I don't haven't stumbled with already. And that is when I when you sit there and you really have the gratitude for something, feel it. I mean, feel yeah. it at your core in your heart. The second thing is, is try to connect with a beautiful blue line of light, your head and your heart together. A lot of us, the reason we stumble is we're sti- we're in our heads and it's woulda, coulda, shoulda. I should be in this profession. Like I said before, I was doing everything to prove my father wrong. When I stopped doing that, and, and a lot of people, the reason they can't manifest what they really want to manifest is because they're manifesting someone else's dreams or something they believe they should be manifesting rather than what they really right. want so, to manifest. So get real right. about what it is that you want. Get, get all the voices you, out of yeah. all the other voices away. And that might take time. Yeah. And uh, the third thing is realize this is an ongoing journey. You're going to discover things in yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be loving to yourself because you're going to beat yourself up. Um, many times because a lot of times as you open up and discover something you should have done and didn't do right back then or maybe you lost a million dollars something really traumatic like that and you can live in that past if you want but this is about creating a a dream that's bigger better and and uh, amazing for you and and you know it's it's your world don't judge yourself based on how others used to judge you Judge yourself by the way the most powerful loving beings love you and see you. Yeah. Write your own story, people. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to add one more thing. You know, we were talking about before, and that's all great stuff and suggestions. We were talking before about how, um, you know, I was joking around about spending money, but one thing I try and practice and I suggest to clients is keeping the money flow going because the more you put out, the more you're going to get back. So with that, this is the end of another episode of the Robin Callie Show. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Really, thank you so much. And where can people reach you? You can just uh, go to www.liquidleadership.com or email me at brad at liquidleadership.com. Yeah, and we can stay in touch. Keep this dialogue going. Great. Thanks a lot. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Take care, (laughs) y'all.